0: are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giants fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trena. Cover your New York Giants for a variety of places, inside football, SB Nation, Forbes. Uh, the Maven. Uh, I'm all over the place, but uh, always focused on the Giants and always trying to bring you the best possible content that I can. So I do hope you're following me. Uh, make sure you're on Twitter at Patricia underscore Trena. That's where you can find links to all my work. And this morning, I'm actually taping this podcast, or I should say retaping this podcast uh, this morning. I had taped this initially last night, but due to the fact that my long-term trusty laptop, died on me i had to switch to a new computer and uh as with anything you know it it takes a little getting used to and uh after i had taped last night's show the sound quality wasn't quite what i wanted it to be and it was just you know it was just beyond editing so starting from scratch hoping that this show actually turns out to be better than what i had taped yesterday and i do apologize for the late uh rollout of this show but um, anyway, so the Giants three-day mini camp is in the book. And what I thought I would do is talk about a few of the standouts from that camp. Um, so I have about seven or eight guys that I've identified. And I'm just going to talk a little bit about them real quick. And also give you some observations and stuff that I wrote down in my notes during the camp. So let's start off with um, a, the some of the standouts. We'll start off on the offensive side of the ball. And I've got to give props to Daniel Jones, um, to start things off. Daniel Jones coming into this camp, there was a lot of questions about his skill set. Could he throw the deep ball? Could he be accurate? How quickly could he learn? All that good stuff. And I think Daniel Jones for the most part put to rest a lot of the questions that people might have had about his Arm strength, about his decision-making ability, about his ability to read the field, and so on and so forth. Now, um, was he perfect? No. There, there's, there's still one thing that he does that, to me, is actually, I should say, two things that to me are are very, very much a concern. The first thing is he does a little too much dancing in the pocket for my taste, and by that I mean he'll drop back. He'll jump up and down, you know, slightly. You could, you could see his feet actually leaving the ground, and he doesn't really set his feet before throwing. And I think sometimes that results in the ball having a little too much zip, or sometimes the ball just not being perfectly placed. Uh, for the receiver, I mean, they're they're catchable balls, but they're not perfectly placed. They're either behind or in front of the receiver, and there has to be some extension uh, involved there. So that's something. Um, hopefully, the coaches will work with him on. Um, Along those lines, he also sometimes will drop back and he'll put an extra pat on the ball as he's reading the defenses. So he's still, you know, trying to learn to read defenses at this level and, and make decisions and, you know, look at the entire field. But that's going to be a work in process that uh, just... Continues to get better, hopefully, as he gets more reps. The other thing that I saw that is a concern is that some of his deep passes have way too much air underneath the balls. And when you put a ball up there, if you hang a ball up there, you're going to give the defensive backs a better chance to pick it off. And we saw a couple of plays where he did just that. He drew, threw what I call a rainbow, where the ball you know, went real high in the air. And before it came, a defensive back who maybe was initially beaten was able to adjust and come back for the ball and make, you know, either get a tip and break up the pass or, you know, uh, pick it off. So those are the two big concerns I saw with Daniel Jones. But with that said, I will I will leave you with this. Of the Giants drafted quarterbacks in recent years, I thought Daniel Jones had the best spring out of all of them. And I'm including Davis Webb in that group, who I was very high on, uh, you know, a couple last year uh, when he was in camp. Uh, Kyle Lawletta, you know, Ryan Nassib, uh, all those guys. I, I just think Daniel Jones was the most polished looking of the batch at this point in time in the calendar. So... I'll leave you with that uh, positive note. All right. Up next, since we're on the topic of quarterbacks, I want to talk about Eli Manning. Now, I got to be honest with you folks. I chuckle when I see the tweets that say Eli was, you know, three for seven or that these were his stats because what those tweets don't tell you is that the defense, you know, on some of those plays, the defense got through and hurried the throw or pressured the throw to, to be made earlier which is why maybe the ball sailed or was airmailed out of out of bounds um there were a couple ta- drops um saquon barkley had a drop that on a perfectly placed ball i think um i'm trying to remember who the other receiver was i can't remember if it was um tate or chef Shab- can't remember who it was, but another receiver got his fingertips on the ball and and, and the ball went right off of it. So I would just say this. When you see statistics listed in Twitter, just take that into consideration. I mean, did Manning throw perfect balls on every attempt? No, he did not. But, you know, for the most part, he threw the ball well. And I'm talking from the start of practice right through to the team drills. He was putting zip on the ball. You know, this notion about his arm strength dying out, that that I think is a myth. You know, he showed good velocity on the balls. Now, yes, it's all done in in shorts and shells, but still, you know, the Giants are able to generate somewhat of a pass rush um, and, and they've got to respond to that. And There were times when the defense, which I thought had a really, really good camp as a whole, they were getting to the quarterback and you have to factor that in when you're talking about pass completions and checkdowns. You know, Eli did a lot of checkdowns, yes, but again, this is a matter of, you know, get something. Something is better than nothing, so... I think reports of Eli Manning's demise have been premature at best. All right, staying with the offense, let's talk about uh, a, a dark horse for the roster. Titan C.J. Conrad. Now, I want you guys to remember that name because C.J. Conrad, the undrafted free agent out of the University of Kentucky, This is a kid who, if he blocks as well as I think he's going to, based on what I've seen on film, if he stays healthy, this kid's going to make this 53-man roster. I think he's going to push Garrett Dickerson and Scott Simonson off the roster. What I like about Conrad, besides the fact that, you know, he catches everything that's thrown his way, including those balls that maybe aren't Ideally, placed within the numbers is that this kid is a hustler. He's also on special teams. And there were a couple times during the practices or the mini camps, I should say, where Pat Shermer was, was seen giving the kid advice, talking to him, personally coaching him up. And, you know, Shermer, you know, just so you're clear, Shermer does coach up players. But for the most part, you know, with special teams, I just found that very interesting. And and, uh, I asked Shermer about uh, Conrad, and he had a lot of good things to say about the young man. He's really, really been impressive. And, you know, we'll see, of course, what happens when when the pads go on and the game speed picks up a little bit. But really been happy with what I've seen from CJ Conrad. And I do think he has a good chance of sticking on the 53-man roster as I speak to you today. All right, Giant fans, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, a lot more on the program, a lot more observations and standouts. So stay with us. Welcome back to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. This is Patricia Traina, and I'm recapping the Giants three-day mini camp. I have some observations for you uh, on players who stood out and just things in general that I wrote down in my notebook that I'm sharing with you. I do hope you're enjoying the program and the coverage. Um, all right, so continuing with players that stood out Um I'm going to mix this one up. I did offense uh, in the last segment. I'm going to kind of mix this one up a little bit. I'm going to start with Tay Davis, the uh, inside linebacker. Now, this is kind of interesting, maybe not so much a surprise, I guess, in retrospect, but Tay Davis has been working as the nickel inside linebacker in place of B.J. Goodson. And what's what i'm curious to see is if davis actually ends up replacing goodson in the starting lineup because you know i got to think if you're the giants you you probably want these guys to to do as much as possible and you know with all due respect to goodson he's a thumper he's you know he's a very physical downhill style linebacker but his coverage skills have been you know let's just say that that's not a strong suit for him Davis, on the other hand, has shown an ability to cover. He's been active. He's been taking smart angles to the ball. He's not the fastest guy out there, but he gets himself in the vicinity to at least slap away a ball that comes in his direction. Now, here's the thing to remember about linebackers, and I've said this before. With linebackers, when you look at their tackles, tackles are not created equal so you could see a guy that maybe has 17 tackles in the game but out of those 17 12 were probably made seven or more yards down the field and that's really not what you want to see with linebackers you want to see them make most of their tackles within the first seven yards of the line of scrimmage from what i could see with davis i think i counted uh the majority of his his uh tackles and i use the word tackles lightly because there was obviously no contact no um, pads no putting guys on the ground so when i say tackle i mean basically a tag in this case but the majority of his his uh quote-unquote tackles were, were made within that seven yard range That's going to be important. I mean, if he can keep that up and the Giants can improve that coverage over the middle, just think about all the times the tight ends kind of mystified the the middle of the field for the Giants. You know, the linebackers, for whatever reason, let those guys run free. Um, That's because they didn't really have a solid coverage uh, linebacker. Is Davis the answer? We're going to find out, obviously. But based on what he showed in the minicamp, very encouraged by what I saw and I just want to see more from him I want to see what happens when the pads go on and the intensity and speed of the practices increases all right the next player that I want to talk about going back to the offense is running back Paul Perkins Perkins is a guy who you know to to use a metaphor his career was left for dead he kind of disappeared off the radar after last year after spending the entire year on the non-football injury report uh, didn't get on the field and everybody kind of assumed that you know especially when they signed Rod Smith that Perkins was probably going to be the odd man out well I'm here to tell you that that's probably not going to be the case because I've heard that they really like Perkins inside the building I heard that they like his skill set as both a receiver and as a runner What they need to see from him, obviously, is his ability to block, because that's very important for a running back. That's a, a skill that a lot of people, you know, overlook when they evaluate running backs. Um... Perkins, folks, is very much in the mix for the number two running back behind Saquon Barkley. And the Giants, after seeing, you know, what what having two running backs can do, you know, for the Rams, the Rams, of course, having Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson last year, the Giants are looking for a similar setup. They want a guy who can maybe come in and spell Barkley here and there. And not have the drop off that you know sometimes you have when you have a bell cow and then you have you know his backups so perkins is definitely in that mix with wayne gallman with rod smith with rookie uh jonathan hilliam um eli penny the fullback has you know uh i'm not sure exactly what's going to happen with him i i have a feeling he might not stick around It's early, though. We'll see whether or not he factors in. You know, last year, I know he got some touches. He got a few carries, um, a few receptions. Um, But this guy, Paul Perkins, you know, somebody to keep an eye on. And, you know, I'll say one last thing about him. Uh, I go back to a couple of years ago when Ben McAdoo, then the head coach, anointed Perkins as the starter before in March, you know, before they even took a snap, before they they did anything. Now, while I get what McAdoo was trying to do, he also I think created some undue pressure on the young man. And Perkins, of course, when he when he got on the field, I think, you know, just in watching him that year, he maybe tried a little too hard and wasn't as natural, didn't let his natural skills set come forward and really show off what he could do because he was pressing to, to justify being named a starter. And there's just something to be said, I think, um, as far as competing for a job versus competing to hold on to a job. And, you know, These are just my thoughts. I mean, I I hope to talk to Perkins about it uh, maybe next week. We'll see if I can get him. But um, just, you know, I think this year Perkins is a lot more relaxed in what he's doing, a lot more confident. And he's got the fresh legs. So that's certainly going to help him moving forward. You're listening to Locked On Giants with Patricia Traina. We are recapping the Giants three day mini camp. I have a few more players I want to talk about, a few more final thoughts, and we'll be right back after these messages. So stay with us. Welcome back to segment three of Locked On Giants. I'm Patricia Traina. We are talking Giants mini camp standouts observations, just a whole bunch of stuff, a lot of notes. Uh, After I finish recording and posting this podcast, I'm going to get right to work on Inside Football, the subscription product. I have a lot to say. If you are not familiar with Inside Football and want to learn more about it, head on over to insidefootball.com slash locked on. We have a special offer we're running. We also have information about the publication. And by the way, I'm in the process of Uh, transferring inside football over to the Maven platform so if you're not familiar with that site um, I hope you will check that out you can find the Maven at footballmaven.io slash nygiants we put up a video a day we have um, a community that we're trying to build up and actually starting um, once the OTAs are done next week we're going to kick off a player review series so that's going to include some video that's going to include some analysis and we're going to try and go through the entire 90-man roster just kind of highlight the players tell you what you need to know about each player some thoughts uh it's going to be hopefully a really uh nice series i hope you'll enjoy it and i hope you enjoy the content that's been already been posted again that's at footballmaven.io slash nygiants Register for a free account, talk back to us, participate in the mailbag, participate in the talk back section. We'd love to hear from you. All right, moving on now with some additional uh, player observations. Uh, Lorenzo Carter is another young man who stood out in this minicamp. Lorenzo Carter, uh, and and I think James Betcher said this best. I had asked them about Carter because usually when I see a guy who's who I think is really performing well, um, I usually ask the coaches about that player. And Betcher seemed to de- be delighted that I brought up Carter's name, and he and he said, you know, to paraphrase, he said that Carter this year is rushing with a plan, whereas last year. He just kind of went out there and just kind of ran around like, you know, without a plan. And he and in developing this plan, Carter's also identifying an identity as a pass rusher. And basically, he's been very pleased. betcher has been very pleased with what he's seen from Carter. What I've seen from Carter, you know, in the few plays that I was able to, you know, stand behind the defense is I see a guy who is... More locked in, I see a kid who is taking smarter angles to beat the blocker in front of him. And I see a kid who looks like he has improved burst off the snap. Um, coverage, he's still, you know, that's still not quite his forte. But when you ask him to move forward, I think the instincts are there. I think, you know, he's got a good nose for the ball. And, you know, I, I really think he's going to be you know, improve this year. Now, is he going to be a double-digit sack guy? That I don't know. Um, a lot's got to fall into place because, you know, sacks are not just the benefit of one guy. There's there's obviously the back end of the defense has got to help. The front end of the defense has to help. But um, I just think uh, that, that. Uh, carter is you know he's more confident he's he's more determined to be a leader i did write a story on him for forbes sports money uh, if you want to check that out and uh just you could just tell listening to him versus a year ago um, a lot more confidence uh has a plan and he's working at it, folks. You know, he he had the benefit of Connor Barwin and Olivier Vernon helping him last year. This year, he's got Marcus Golden, whom he told me he happens to have the same trainer that he has down in Georgia. So just a you know a guy I think worth keeping an eye on, because uh, you know I think the potential is there, and I think the sky's the limit with Carter's talent if he stays healthy. Jabril Peppers, hey, let's talk about this guy. You know, we don't yet know if Jabril Peppers is going to have 100 tackles every year like Landon Collins did. But right off the bat, I think one of the biggest differences between Jabril Peppers and Landon Collins is Peppers is a little bit more active in coverage, a little bit more precise. He's not gambling as much, I don't think, as as maybe Collins appeared to do at times last year. But the thing about Peppers that I found really intriguing is he's got this it factor. And it's, it was noticeable to me, maybe more so, when he wasn't on the field Wednesday because he had to have a tooth extracted. Peppers just, the defense just takes on like a almost a different personality when he's on the field. And, you know, I go back to what I've said earlier in, in uh, my reports on the camp. He and Antoine Bethea have really, you know, thus far t- teamed up to be solid uh, solid guys in that defensive secondary. You don't see a lot of busted coverages. You don't see too many missed assignments, at least to the naked eye you don't. Uh, just to me, the defense, considering all the turnover on that unit, they looked more cohesive than ever, which is, you know, you just didn't expect to see that at this stage of the game. You expected to maybe see that as camp went on. And it just just seems like the defense is ahead of the curve. And, you know, you can certainly point to the fact that it's year two uh, of the defense and, and that, you know, Bethea was in the the, the, the uh, Cardinals defense when uh, Betcher was the defensive coordinator, as was Golden, as was Kareem Martin. Uh, but it just seems like that you know with the Giants you know even though Betcher's kind of running probably the same concepts there are different wrinkles and it just seems like they've all taken to it and are performing at a much higher level so uh really been been happy with what I've seen from the defense um and uh you know just just peppers I, I I I just think the kid ha- he has that it factor, and you know he, he's a tr- he's a bit of a trash talker, but you need that sometimes. I think you know y- you need the defense to have an attitude. You need them to be alpha males, um, dogs. I think is what they, they they refer to themselves as, and you know I, I just want to see we don't we didn't see bump and run, and and you know the physical stuff obviously because there was it's a non-contact camp. But I just have a feeling that these guys are not going to be pushed around. And and just the ripple effect that you're going to see is just going to be something, quite a transformation to watch as opposed to last year's defensive efforts. And Peppers is going to be one of the guys uh, leading that way. So I can't wait to see that. Darius Slayton, receiver. This kid probably gets my vote for the most improved player in the spring. Darius Slayton, now I'm going to go back to the rookie minicamp for a minute, because when Slayton came in, one of the reputations he had was he had some concentration drops. And we saw some of those in the rookie minicamp. And I thought, oh, gosh, that's that, you know, quality is following him now to the NFL. So having, you know, looking back over my notes, a lot of it was Slayton really not, either not fully extending for a ball or, Or sometimes he was just kind of looking to see where he could go before he actually secured the ball. So he would just kind of turn away from it a split second and then start to run before, you know, tucking it into his chest. Well, I got to give the kids props. Since then, he has cut down on the drops. He has been, you know, better focused, you know. And I saw Daniel Jones hit this kid in stride on a crossing pattern, crossing route, over the middle and boy oh boy let me tell you something this kid's got a set of wheels on him you know people said what are the Giants going to do without Odell Beckham Jr. who was really their big deep threat their their speed guy Slayton folks has a chance to become that guy for the Giants he really does I mean this kid basically left three trailing defenders in the dust separating himself by a good, I want to say, five or six yards as he streaked across the middle, up the field, towards the end zone. It was quite a thing to watch. But again, the biggest thing with him has been the reduction in the drops, which has been good to see. Now, I don't know what kind of a downfield blocker he is. Um, Special teams, we kind of haven't really seen special teams take... Take shape yet? They're still kind of learning the fundamentals. We will see that in training camp, and I fully expect Slayton will be part of the special teams. But I I got to give the kid props. He is probably my most improved player of the camp. So uh, very happy to see him coming along, and I'm sure the coaches are happy to see him coming along. All right, a final a few thoughts from the camp before we call it a show. Uh, the injury report a little disappointed to see that Evan Ingram missed the three days of camp. Um, They never said what his injury was, but Shermer basically did say that, you know, none of the guys that were injured are expected to be long-term affairs. You know, they should be ready for camp. Now, being ready for camp and being green-lighted to do everything, two totally different stories. So we will see if there are any... um, you know limitations on uh Evan Ingram when he de- you know when they do get to to training camp hopefully there won't be because look this is a kid who is tremendously talented and i think if he stays on the field if he can stay on the field and not miss time due to injuries he he's going to be a very very big part of this offense you know we've seen how he has excelled during uh, Odell Beckham Jr.'s absence and this is really going to be a big make or break year I think for Evan Ingram uh, because if I'm not mistaken I think after this year the Giants have to make a decision on his um, his option year coming up so uh, needs to have a big year plain and simple Um, in terms of the overall offense the Giants did a lot of work outside the numbers in the passing game not so much you know in the middle of the field but a lot of you know outside routes a lot of you know up the sideline routes um i don't know if that was by design or if if that you know that those installs are coming down the line but i didn't see a whole lot of over the middle stuff um which i found kind of interesting i'm just you know at some point i might ask why that is but uh i'm sure you know i'm sure there's going to be some obviously some throws over the middle that they'll execute but just a lot of stuff at the numbers or outside the numbers Um, i spoke about daniel jones earlier in the program you know daniel jones everybody you know was going gaga over his his mobility and he he really does he's got he's got some great mobility but here's the thing folks i don't know what the coaches have you know as far as plays go for for mobile quarterbacks but I get a little squeamish every time a quarterback runs for yards because to me their job is to be a pocket passer and when I see them running for yards I'm sorry I have visions of you know something like an art you know what happened to RG3 a few years ago. I don't want to see my quarterback running because their job is to throw the ball. If they have to run you know because nothing else is there and there's a there's a lane by all means but my gosh, please be smart about it. And I'll say this about Jones. He has been smart about it. We haven't seen him take a whole lot of chances up the middle with his legs. Most of his runs have come along the sidelines so that if a defender does come charging at him, he can quick get out of bounds and, and you know, hopefully avoid being hit once it becomes a live drill so just something to keep an eye on but i think giant fans are going to really like what daniel jones brings to the table he you know if you hated that pick i think you're going to maybe start to change your mind about that moving forward defensive line you know you can't tell a whole lot in terms of the defensive line and the offensive line but for those who have asked dexter lawrence did work basically at Three different positions. He lined up as the nose. He did a little work as the three tech, and then he. I even saw him do some work. It's a five tech, um, and and just for those of you not familiar with those terms, a three tech is a penetrator, a five tech is an end, and the nose or the zero tech or one tech, if they're playing on the shade, which means they're playing off the shoulder. Those are the pluggers. So already you could see that the giants intend to maybe move Lawrence around and not pigeonhole him in as that strict nose tackle or plugger and he certainly has the athleticism to get it done moves very well for for a you know a, a young man his size and and almost gracefully i mean he's he's just very he's he's very uh fluid in his movement what i want to see from him once the pads go on is how well he gets off double team blocks i think that was a problem with uh dalvin tomlinson excuse me dalvin tomlinson last year when when the giants traded away damon harrison tomlinson moved to the to that nose tackle position in the middle there didn't have quite the same power, you know, in getting off the block. So I think that's probably why maybe they're moving him back to that penetrator role that he held before uh, the trade was made. Um, Offensive line, not too much to say there too, because again, the pads aren't on, so you can't really evaluate them. But um, I'll just make one quick comment about the center position. You know, I, I thought initially there was a battle there between John Halapio, and Spencer Pulley. I don't know that that is necessarily the case. Now, I know you've probably read reports that sometimes Halapio's working with the ones, sometimes he's working with the twos. But what I've noticed is um, he's been primarily working with Daniel Jones, wherever Daniel Jones has gone. He's also gotten his share of the ones because I do think the Giants maybe would like to see him. As their starting center, you know, no disrespect to Spencer Pulley. He did a great job. You know, he got himself a nice contract after his contract last year expired. But you just get the impression that the Giants want to see Jalapio maybe, uh, who has a little bit more power to his game in that role. And the other thing you got to remember is Jalapia was still coming off of that ankle injury. And because of that, you know, they're probably not going to put him out there and have him take a hundred percent of the snaps that are allocated for the center. So just something else to keep in mind. And then a final thought folks on Nate Solder, you know, um, there was, there was some eyebrows raised on Thursday when Nate Solder kind of pumped the brakes a little bit, if you will, on uh you know his availability availability for training camp. Now, Soldier should be ready to go. But once they take the field, I fully expect Soldier to be limited throughout training camp. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, he's an established veteran. He doesn't need to prove anything. He doesn't have to, you know, really hustle to get himself in shape. He's in fine shape. Give him the extra time to let that ankle fully heal. They don't play until September. No sense of putting him out there and wearing the guy down or, God forbid, risking a, um, a potential setback. And then the other important factor that I'll mention Last year, they needed Solder in there because they had a rookie in Will Hernandez next to him. And Solder had to pretty much get Hernandez up to speed. That that tackle guard um, combination, that communication is very important. And I spoke to Will Hernandez about that for an article that's currently on Forbes this year hernandez knows a little bit more of what to do and what he's doing he doesn't need Solder to necessarily hold his hand as much so i think those two factors that i just mentioned are going to go into the thinking of maybe why we might not see Nate Solder as much. Now, there's a possibility he might be green-lighted and he might take all the reps, but I'm just saying don't be surprised if come training camp, Solder is kind of limited a little bit because, again, they don't have to play until September. You know, Hernandez is a veteran now, so really be smart with these guys especially the guys that are coming off injuries these guys that are irreplaceable that you want to have for the full 16 game season all right giant fans that will wrap up this show um i do want to thank you for listening this week i hope you enjoyed the content make sure you tune in next week we are going to have a Twitter Tuesday, so get your questions into me by Monday if you can. Um, I'm going to look to record the show probably by Monday afternoon. So if you get your questions into me by three o'clock on Monday, I should be able to um, get them into the program. You can tag them Ask P Train. You can email them to me at locked Giants Podcast at gmail.com. On Wednesday show. I will have a wrap up on the Tuesday OTA because the media access will be on Tuesday. Uh, Thursday, we'll have a just final thoughts on the spring. And then we're gonna kind of go into uh, our break mode where uh, we'll have some limited content, but I'm gonna start focusing on the summer. I'm gonna start focusing on the season. So more information about that is coming. Do make sure you stay tuned. Have a wonderful weekend and we will talk to you next week.